everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripes, where we discuss the history of the New York Yankees. Again, my name is Brian, and I have been a die-hard Yankees fan since I was about seven years old. The goal of the Historic Pinstripes show is, as always, to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest Yankees players and moments in Yankees history. So today's episode will be on a tribute to Babe Ruth, um, otherwise known as George Herman Ruth Jr. And again, I just wanted to apologize for the, uh, the delay between episodes. So it'll be there'll be something every single week. It'll just be a little bit different just to kind of break up the content a little bit and uh, just kind of add a little bit more of a variety to the episodes. So anyways, today's episode is a tribute to Babe Ruth, otherwise known as George Herman Ruth Jr. George Herman Ruth Jr., or Babe Ruth, of course, um, was born February 6th, 1895 in Baltimore, Maryland. And I guess there, there really isn't a whole lot about his, um, about when he grew up. Uh, one thing I did want to mention was that I was on an episode of Movie Theater Time Machine. Uh, you should check that uh, podcast out. But uh, anyways, we had discussed uh, the movie The Babe by John uh, John Goodman, and who played, of course, Babe Ruth. And it was a very good movie. They portrayed, I, I, in my opinion, I believe John Goodman portrayed Babe Ruth very, very well. But um and there were some things about the movie that they, they kind of concentrated more on the legend, I believe, of Babe Ruth and more of, like, his character and his outgoing personality. Um, but there were some things, I guess, that were a little bit different. However, uh, anyways, I just kind of wanted to mention that. Uh, moving on, though, he, of course, started off in military. He went to military school because, I guess, his dad, uh, when he was growing up, his uh, his dad had a hard time taking care of him, I believe. I think his mom might have passed away when he was young, but it's not a whole lot. Um, that is known about Babe Ruth when he was um, just a kid. So when he was seven years old, his dad, who was actually named George Herman Ruth Sr., you know, uh, for whatever reason, I guess his dad worked a lot, and um, I think he had his own business, and I guess Babe got into some trouble. At that time, of course, he was only known as George, but he got in some trouble, and I, I, you know, he wasn't a very disciplined kid, and he was, I guess he was, he was even drinking beer at that age, if you can believe that. But, I mean, at seven years old, he went to St. Mary's Industrial School um, for boys, uh, and that was in downtown Baltimore. Um, and uh, I guess his mentor was actually, because um, they had brothers there that took care of all the kids, because um, it was a, it was a Catholic uh, school. And Brother Matthias, uh, his full name was Matthias Bootlier. So Brother Matthias Bootlier was kind of like a mentor to Babe Ruth, or eventually became a mentor. But he was in charge of discipline, and I think he was the assistant athletic director of the school. Um, so he would go, and they would play baseball with all the kids. And, and of course, Brother Matthias used to pitch all the time, and Babe Ruth used to love to hit. And even back then, I guess when he was a kid, at least it portrayed in the movie The Babe, like I was just talking about, um, when we had watched it, uh, one thing that caught my eye was that um, when uh, the babe was a kid, they showed him how he was such a naturally talented um, hitter, which of course I'm sure is true. Um, but he he used to hit the ball even like even then he just had a knack for it, and I'm sure he did. But it's, it was just kind of interesting to see how they portrayed that. Um, um, a little bit of history about Brother Matthias Bootlier, who was a mentor to Babe Ruth. Um, he's from Nova Scotia in Canada. Uh, he moved um, to Boston, I guess, when he was just a kid, and he was actually six foot six, two hundred and fifty pounds or so. So I mean, he was, and Ruth was six foot two. Well, he would end up becoming six foot two by the time he finished military school, I would imagine, um, because he was nineteen years old when he got out of military school and signed with the 
Baltimore Orioles in 1914, um, which was the, the year, of course, that, um, that he left the military school. Um, so anyways, uh, he became very friendly with uh, George, uh, George and Brother Matthias, became very friendly throughout the years. And I guess Babe Ruth even said that, uh, you know, Brother Matthias was like a father to him because um, his real dad really didn't, I don't know if he just didn't care or just didn't know how to care or whatever it was. But for whatever reason, Ruth said that that, that he learned a, um, a lot from from uh, from Brother Matthias and, and that he was like a father to him. And I guess he learned to read and write from Brother Matthias. Of course, you know, he was, it was a school too. So, And um, he said he learned a lot from him. So 1914, Babe Ruth, of course, like I said, he signed a minor league deal with the Baltimore Orioles. But then he quickly after that, um, he was sold to the Red Sox, and he played the 1914 season with the Red Sox, and he was just 19 years old. He made his first start, because he was a starting pitcher when he first started. He pitched seven innings, gave up just eight hits, three runs, two earned, no walks, one strikeout, and uh, he didn't even give up a, a home run. I mean, obviously, eight hits is kind of a lot of hits, but it's, it's not for your first start. That's not too bad. Um, and they beat the Cleveland Indians that day, 4-3. to three. So he got his first win and his first start as a pitcher. Um but as far as the season, he only made three starts, pitched four games for the Red Sox. He had a 3-9-1 ERA, um, so not bad for a 19-year-old kid who just came out of military school. He was 2-1 that season, with a, uh, and he did pitch one, one complete game. Then uh, for 1915-1918, uh, Babe Ruth went on to help the Red Sox. Um, I think they won two World Series in that time, 15 and 16, back-to-back. -back. Actually, no, they won three World Series. Um, uh, but... Uh, 1915, Babe Ruth, uh, he won 18 games um, in 1915, then he won 23 games in 1916, 24 in 1917, and then he won 13 in 1918. And of course around 1918, this is around where um, I, I believe it was Babe Ruth, he wanted to start playing because he didn't like being in the rotation. Um, he wanted to he, he, he wanted to play more. He wanted to play every single day. He didn't want to just... just uh, pitch every fourth or fifth day or whatever they had done back then with the rotation um, because I believe it was a little bit different um, with the way they used the rotation. However, uh, Babe Ruth, didn't, he wanted to play every day, and he liked to hit. And obviously, um, even back when I think it was 1918 or actually 1919 when he really uh, started becoming more of a full-time outfielder. Uh, but 1918, he started becoming playing more and more in the outfield, and in 1919, he was pretty much a full-time outfielder by then. But even before then, I guess whenever he hit the ball, it was just it sounded different coming off his bat. Kind of like I guess you would say, maybe from like a 1950 Yankees fan watching Mickey Mantle hit. Um, you know, I'm sure same thing with Willie Mays if you're a Giants fan. Um, just some guys they just have that knack of uh, of, of just the way they play and and how good they are. They just they're just so talented that you just want to see them see them hit. Um, and, uh, of course, Babe Ruth was no different than any of those guys. If anything, he was probably, in my opinion, probably the best player ever. Um, and I guess at that time, of course, you know, it was called the dead ball error in the 19-teens anyway. Um, so now we're getting into 1920, which, of course, like I mentioned before, and obviously is the legend of Babe Ruth really kind of came in to, to play when uh, – the Red, uh, the Red Sox sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees. Of course, before he was sold to the Red Sox, though, he did help the Red Sox win three World Series. Um, like I said, 1915, 16, and 1918. Um, 
and he only had 12 at-bats in the World Series. Of course, he was a pitcher, so he didn't really get to hit a whole lot. Um, he did have three RBIs, though, and he had a, he had one hit, and that one hit was a triple, actually. Um, one other note I wanted to mention, though, about Ruth. Um, he was six foot two, and he was 215 pounds, I guess. At least that's what he was billed at, if you look on his baseballreference.com uh, page. Um, I mean, so he wasn't really this guy that was, like you see in the, in the movie The Babe and a lot of other things. Um, they portray him as uh, being very overweight, and he was eventually, but because he really didn't take very good care of himself. Um, however, it wasn't when he first started. He really was he wasn't in that bad of shape. He just, I guess, coming from being in military school and growing up and having to take care of himself, and obviously he's getting everything for free. A lot of things, um, you know, he's like a superstar, so he's probably taking advantage of things. And but anyways, what that's uh, whatever. I mean. Uh, Babe Ruth was a great player. Moving on. So anyways, the Red Sox ended up selling Babe Ruth, of course, to the Yankees for a sum of $125,000 and a $300,000 mortgage on Fenway Park. So this is basically what began the curse of the Bambino. If um, it, it, I mean, not it's not, I, I guess from a Red Sox uh, fan point of view, it kind of was like a curse. But I mean, it, it really wasn't a curse because it's just, I mean, it's more of a play on on the fact that Harry Frizee was just really, I mean, he it was he just really didn't care at all, and uh, he just made a bunch of stupid moves and and uh, you know Harry uh, he really tore the Red Sox apart and the Yankees even in the next few years after 1920 they even still took a bunch of the Red Sox players and uh, that even kind of got the Yankees made the Yankees kind of get into a little bit of trouble. But we'll talk about that later in some future episodes and stuff. Uh, but anyways, um, so the Yankees turned it around um, after that. Obviously, they got Babe Ruth, the best player in the game. Um, and uh, Babe Ruth would, of course, play 15 seasons with the New York Yankees from then on. Um, and uh, he helped the Yankees win seven American League pennants. And this was a team that had never been um, to a World Series. So they won uh, seven American League pennants. Of course, back then, it was just, I believe it was just eight teams in each league. And the first place team wins the pennant and goes to the World Series. So the first year, I believe it was 19, yeah, 1921, because 1920, like I said in the last episode, um, the Yankees finished in third place. However, they had their best, I believe it was their best year or one of their best years ever since I think it was 1904. Um, but anyways, so 1921, Babe Ruth helps the Yankees to their first World Series against the New York Giants. Um, but they did lose their first two World Series. 1921 and 1922 and uh they also lost in 1926 as well which 1926 world series um that was actually uh, one of babe ruth's like that was one of his best world series that was the first world series babe ruth hit three home runs in a single game against the st louis cardinals um that was in game four and the, the St. Louis Cardinals really had no answer for Babe Ruth. Um, they they really they even walked him 11 times, including one intentional walk. So they really walked him 12 times um, in that series. Um, and he also had a home run in Game 7 as well. Um, however, interestingly enough, they did lose that World Series in 1926, which um, is kind of surprising. And in Game 7, but it is kind of interesting too that um, Babe Ruth... Uh, game seven, he walked five times. That's how much respect they showed Babe Ruth. Um, uh, four walks and one intentional. Um, 
but in the one hit was a home run as well like I had mentioned before. Um, so he hit 300 in that 1926 World Series, six hits, four home runs, and had a 548 on base percentage, which is which is insane. Um, so that leads us to the 1923 World Series, which, of course, um, like I, as I mentioned last time, last episode, the 1923 World Series was the first time the Yankees won the World Series ever in their franchise history. Um, so they faced the New York Giants at the Polo Grounds, Babe Ruth hit three home runs. All of them were at the polos, polo grounds. Or actually, I think, yeah, there are two of them at the polo grounds, and one was at um, at Yankee Stadium. And uh, he had two home runs in Game 2, and uh, Game 7, of course, he hit uh, his first home run in Yankee Stadium in the postseason. And he had eight walks in that entire World Series in 1923. So, I mean, uh, but at first, I just want to kind of go back a little bit to 1920 babe's first season with the new york yankees he had 54 home runs in his first full season as an outfielder for the yankees um now back in 1919 the uh with the red sox he was playing um he was basically a full-time outfielder but he had hit 27 home runs and i think he was still pitching a little bit but it wasn't quite as much 1920 with the yankees i believe he made like maybe one start or maybe not even one start now i believe it was like one start but he really didn't pitch a whole lot at all and by then, hitting was, was, that's what he wanted to do with the Yankees. So he had 54 home runs, 135 RBIs, led the league in eight offensive categories, including 150 walks as well. 1921, um, he had 59 home runs, which is basically, like, and, and this is why Babe Ruth, um, I mean, he was hitting more home runs than entire teams were hitting. Um, and, uh, you know, Babe, Babe Ruth, the, just it wasn't even just how many home runs, it was also how far he was hitting them and he was hitting him further than any other player like basically imagined because like I said the dead ball era was in the 1900s to like 19 teens or so and then right around there Babe Ruth the guy that kind of changed everything in baseball there really weren't a whole lot of home runs um until Ruth came um nobody had ever really ever hit even close to how many home runs he was hitting in 1920 and 21, 54 and 59. So this was the, basically the birth of the uh, live ball error. And, and because of it, basically because of Babe Ruth, um, baseball really soared in popularity. And I mean, he was basically their first superstar that baseball ever had. 1922, uh, this was kind of a tough year for Babe Ruth. It started off kind of rough because Babe Ruth was suspended for six weeks, the first six weeks of the season, along with his teammate Bob Musel, who was, um, I believe, was a left fielder. um, He was a very good young player. Um, But but anyways, they used to, back in the day, they used to, after the World Series, um, a lot of the players would kind of get together and play a lot of exhibition games, and this was called barnstorming, which was illegal back then until July of 1922. However, Babe Ruth was, it really seemed like kind of a stupid rule. And it, even later in that year, despite those guys getting suspended um, for six weeks, um, the, the rule ended up, ended up getting um, getting abandoned. Um, they, they ended up getting rid of the rule. Uh, but anyways, the rule was that no player was allowed to participate in exhibition games touring the United States um, and and uh, they needed permission from the American League president or the commissioner, which I guess they didn't get. Um, the commissioner at the time was Kennesaw Mountain Landis. And so I guess there was a reporter or somebody had told Babe Ruth that Kennesaw Mountain Landis was, it sounded like I guess he was going to spend them or something like that. I'm not sure exactly how, how they had, 
about how they had approached it. But Babe Ruth ended up saying that he said, tell the old guy to go jump in a lake. Because um, I guess they were asking him, obviously, about, you know, um, the boat, the barnstorming. Uh, and and uh, Babe was worried about getting suspended. They, anyways, uh, both Bob Musil and Babe Ruth ended up getting fined full shares from the World Series. $3,500. The fans protested, but I mean, they they really was nothing they could do about it because the commissioner had suspended them, so they they didn't um they didn't they didn't bother to reinstate Ruth or any of them. Um, so anyway, so he was suspended uh, two more times that year as well. One was for arguing with an umpire and throwing dirt on him, and another time for swearing at another one as well. And I guess there was a third time as well that he was also uh, ejected. For uh, when he went after a heckler in a crowd, and that's when the fans booed, and he actually he really did chant "yellow," which I didn't think was a something he did, actually did in the movie The Babe, but they actually show kind of show that part in in the movie The Babe, and uh, where he's chanting "yellow, yellow, yellow," and uh, I guess that was true. I guess um, I mean I'm not sure to what to what extent, but um, I just found that interesting. Um, so. Uh, and I guess even later that year too, in 1922, um, uh, during the World Series, Commissioner Landis, I guess he ended up calling a game because the uh, lighting was insufficient. I think it was in Game Two of the World Series that year, um, and it was in the tenth inning, and so the game was kind of gone on for quite a while. Back then, they didn't have the the lights back then weren't very good. And I guess, or they didn't really light the fields very well, or maybe it was just too expensive, I guess. Anyways, they ended up having to play an extra game, and the fans were extremely upset, as you can imagine, um, because they felt like that they were being played by, you know, they, they felt like the game was being fixed, and that they they, they just wanted their money, and, uh, and so, you know, the fans were not happy at all. And they really, really gave it to the commissioner. And I guess they even said that uh, Commissioner Kenneshaw Mountain Landis was booed that day. He was booed more than Babe Ruth had ever been booed. Um, so, of course, that's why that World Series had eight games and not seven games. Of course, the New York Giants ended up winning that one. And like I said before, 1923, the Yankees won their first World Series, um, which was Babe Ruth's best year probably. Or, well, one of his best years. Babe Ruth, I mean, basically every single year he had or maybe not every single year, but he had a lot of great years for the New York Yankees, of course, like pretty much every single year, except for 1922. Even though he did have all that happen to him, he still had a pretty darn good year. He had 35 home runs and just 110 games played, which is very good. 96 RBIs, and he had 315. And uh, 1923, he won the Most Valuable Player Award, hit 393, 545 on base, had a 41 home runs and 130 RBIs. So he went down a little bit in home runs, of course, but he also uh, hit 393 as well. Um, uh, but anyways, he led the league in 10 offensive categories. Again, he was basically the best. Uh, he was best. He was the the best baseball hitter of, of that ever, um, no question. Um, and of course, this was 1923. Lou Gehrig was there, but he had only played nine games, and I think it was like he actually made his major league debut that year. Um, so he, so he had just gotten started. So Babe Ruth was the guy in the, in baseball. Um, of course, I believe Ty Cobb was still playing, but Ruth was the main. He was the guy that that all the fans wanted to see. And of course, he hit the first home run at Yankee Stadium in the postseason. Um, he hit two home runs in Game Two in the World Series against the Giants. In Game Seven, he hit a home run, like I said before, 
And also, he had 10 RBIs in that entire World Series. But anyways, this is where, after 1923, it kind of, the press and all the attention, it kind of gets to Ruth a little bit. And it's kind of interesting, too, that Ruth never won an MVP again. Um, and he really didn't have a great uh, a, gr- a great rapport with the media as well. Um, and it's kind of interesting. I will, you kind of have to wonder if that had anything to do with why he didn't win an MVP. And it's kind of hard not to think that it, it didn't. Um, it, it, and it's kind of hard not to think that it hurt his chances of winning another MVP. Um, so in 1924, um, Babe Ruth played 153 games, 143 runs scored, led the league in that, 46 home runs, led the league, 124 RBIs, and he had 142 walks, which also led the league. And he um, that was the only year he ever won the batting title. It was uh, 378 was his, ba- his, uh, was his batting average. Um, so... Uh, so he had a very good year again in 1924. But the Yankees, they they did not uh, do quite as well that year. Um, they ended up missing the playoffs. Um, so 1925, Babe Ruth, I, this was the year he was suspended, actually, um, because uh, back in my Top 5 Captains episode, how I mentioned about how he was actually a captain for one game, but that was the day, I guess, that day, Heckler had gotten on him again, and he had... I don't know. If, I believe he had gotten into kind of a, a little bit of a, a fight, or uh, but he went after a fan, and that was it. Miller Huggins, um, or Miller Huggins and Colonel Rupert, um, they, they took the captain and captaincy away from him, and Everett, Everett Scott ended up becoming captain. And uh, but however, he also only played 98 games that year, um, but he did hit 25 home runs in just 98 games, 67 RBIs. And he hit um, just 290, which is kind of low for Big Ruth. Usually nowadays, whenever you see a power hitter, you think of somebody who hits, you know, kind of for a 290 batting average. But Big Ruth, he usually hit over 300, quite a bit over 300 every single year. Of course, back then, that that's kind of, well, that was kind of typical of most players, at least most most superstars. But Big Ruth kind of did both. Um, he was a really good power hitter, and uh, and he could he could um, he could really hit to. Um, but anyways, uh, also the only season that Babe Ruth had a OPS of under a thousand was 1925, and um, I, th- I believe there was another season too, but it was uh, when when he got quite a bit older. Anyways, like I said, he only played 98 games that year, and one of those reasons was because he reported to spring training overweight. I guess it was reportedly 270 pounds overweight. Um, so and, he, and like I said, he was 215 pounds when he first started. So. Um, and by that time, he was already drinking a lot and uh, going out, and he really wasn't taking care of himself at all. Um, I mean, I guess he had a marriage. Uh, he was married already, and they really, his, him and his wife were really not there. It's, they just, like, especially from the movie uh, The Babe and just from what I've read, it sound, sounds like they really weren't very compatible. So, anyways, by the end of spring training, Babe Ruth, um, like I said, he wasn't taking care of himself, so the Yankees were leaving a train station in Asheville, North Carolina, um, and I guess Babe Ruth actually collapsed. Um, on I believe it was just before he was going onto the train, and so he stayed behind. He ended up getting another train, and then in New York City, he ended up going to uh, uh, his hotel room. Of course, after the tr- after he had gotten there, and I guess uh, I guess they had found him in a bathroom because he had collapsed again, um, and I guess later they found out that he had convulsions and and um, I guess the doctor ended up saying he had a uh, uh, intestinal abscess in his stomach, um, which is now, of course, known as a ulcer. Um, so he needed surgery, and uh, I guess he had to have bed rest for a month. 
Um, so from what I read, um, I guess the doctor had asked him or somebody had asked Babe Ruth, um, you know, what had happened, why he collapsed. And I guess he had said he had too much hot dogs and uh, soda pop before the game uh, or before uh, before that had happened. Anyways, uh, because of that incident um, or those two incidents when he collapsed, there was um, – there was actually a newspaper headline in London, and it might have been even a couple of others, but there was one in London. I guess there was an obituary for Babe Ruth. Um, they actually thought he was dead because, I mean, uh, Babe Ruth was this superstar. He, he was Everyone knew about him throughout the world. But, however, the reporters in the United States, they knew about Babe Ruth and how he liked to go drinking and liked to go out and didn't, didn't take care of himself at all. Um, so I guess they actually, there was one, one of them um, put out a headline that said, Bellyache heard round the world. But while Babe Ruth missed, missed some time because of that, the Yankees were 15 and 25 when he was, when he, when he was gone. Um, so they were really struggling that year. Um, they were second to last place. Boston was still in last place. They, of course, the Yankees had taken a lot of their players, so they really, really weren't even in contention. Um, but, the Yankees had still kind of even considered it a rebuilding year, um, even without Ruth, I guess, or because I guess they they had some aging pitchers and some aging players because a lot of the players that they were getting were from the Red Sox, and um, a lot of their players were getting older, like Everett Scott and uh, uh, um, a lot of guys like that, uh, or even Sad Sam Jones and guys like that. So anyways, uh, of course, and even the 1925, of course, is the year, you know, Lou Gehrig stepped in there for Wally Pipp, who was also getting older. Uh, Whitey Witt, who the Yankees had purchased from the Philadelphia A's, um, he was getting older. Um, and then there was, there was also another guy named Pee Wee Winninger, who stepped in for Everett Scott. But Winninger never really panned out quite that much, but he did play in 1925. Um, and uh, so, so um, the Yankees had to work out some things. Um, and they were kind of rebuilding a little bit. So anyways, when Babe Ruth came back to the Yankees, he really had a hard time um, giving up his, his lifestyle, his way of life. And he, he, he just he just liked to be around people, I guess, or he just liked to just, to, just, to, just, um, to just go crazy, I guess, or just do whatever he wanted. So anyways, manager Miller Huggins, as you can imagine, he was really starting to get tired of this act that Babe Ruth was, uh, like, like he just, it, Babe Ruth was just this great player but he couldn't keep together, and and uh, he couldn't like take care of himself. And and Miller Huggins wanted him to to be healthy and help the Yankees because obviously you know it was a tough year for the Yankees. So he wanted to um, he wanted he wanted his his superstar player um, to help them, and he was very frustrated with Ruth. Uh, and actually, it's kind of uh, one thing I did want to mention was there was a teammate that the that Babe Ruth had who was actually his roommate, Ping Boydy. He had actually um, he had actually said, "I room with his suitcase about rooming with Babe Ruth because he uh, Babe Ruth was never there." So I guess he always just roomed with his suitcase. So, anyways, uh, August of 1925, Miller Huggins actually fined Babe Ruth five thousand uh, dollars, which was an extremely big fine at the time. Um, and it would, but however, it was only one tenth of Ruth's salary because um, he made more than any other player. He was the best in the game. Um, so, but however, Ruth still complained about it to the press and to the owner. However, it was really to no avail because uh, Colonel Jacob Rupert backed up um, Merle Huggins, and you really can't blame them because I mean 
you know, they wanted to get, I mean, that, that was their superstar player. They wanted Ruth, they, 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 and really, if anything, they, they probably felt for him too because they wanted to try to help him as well. But, of course, they wanted to help the Yankees win as, as well because, you know, they, they had a job to do. So 1925 Yankees were the worst Yankee team that they had for 40 years. So uh, they finished that year in seventh place. They were 69-85 and 85 that year. Washington Center's going to go on to win the World Series. 1926, the, um, Babe Ruth, he comes back, and, and, of course, he has a much better season in 1926. As I said, the World Series that year, Babe Ruth had a great World Series against the Cardinals. But in the season, he had led the league with 47 home runs again, 153 RBIs, also led the league, 144 walks, also led the league, 76 strikeouts, which wasn't that bad. But back then, it was kind of a lot, I would imagine. And he had 372 with a 516 on base percentage, um, which also led the league. Um, the Yankees were in first place. Like I said, they went to the World Series and they won. Actually, no, they lost in seven games, but Babe Ruth had a great World Series. Um, again, hitting, being the first player to ever hit three home runs in a game, game four. Uh, and he was he was just, uh, he went nuts against the Cardinals. Um, so then that leads us to 1927, the Murderer's Row team, but Ruth was one of the leaders of that team. Um, and I'm just going to give you uh, Ruth's numbers. He played 151 games, 60 home runs, of course. The, that was the, uh, the finally hit 60, um, I think it was back in 1921, I said he had hit 59 home runs, so he finally got to 60 home runs, he had 160 RBIs, or 165 RBIs, I believe, 137 walks, and a 356 batting average, and a 486 on-base percentage, so the on-base percentage was a little bit lower, but he was still hitting for a lot of power, and he was walking a lot, and he was getting on-base, um, and of course, him and, him and Gehrig was now of course, becoming um, a big force in the Yankee lineup. Uh, of course, he led the Yankees um, to 110 and 44 record, along with the rest of Murderers Row, and they ended up sweeping the Pirates to win the World Series that year. Um, Babe Ruth, uh, he was a big part of that. He hit 400 with two home runs, and uh, he had a home run in Game Three and Game Four of the 1927 World Series. Um, then, so then we're out in 1928. I mean, they're basically still the Murderers Row Yankees. Of course, Babe Ruth's right in the middle of it. Um, he played 154 games that year, led the league um, in runs scored, 163. Um, that was the third time in a row he led the league in that category. Also led the league in home runs with 54, 146 RBIs, 137 walks, and had a 323 batting average with a 463 on base percentage. So the Yankees... Uh, they, they won over 100 games again, 101-53 in 1928. Went to the World Series, but this time they swept the Cardinals. So Ruth, um, once again against the Cardinals, I mean, the Cardinals must have had nightmares against Babe Ruth. He had over 600 in four games. Um, he had a 647 on-base percentage, three home runs, four RBIs, one walk in game two, and two strikeouts. He had, he had three doubles even um, as well in that series. Game four, he was three for five with three home runs. Another was his second three home run game in the postseason. And he had at least two hits in every single game in that World Series. Uh, there were four, of course. Um, 1929, that was the year that the Yankees started wearing numbers. I think they were, I believe they're either the first team or one of the first teams to start wearing numbers on their backs. And of course, they went by the batting order of Lou Gehrig, of course number four, and Babe Ruth, number three. 1929, though, Babe Ruth played 135 games. 
He had led the league with 46 home runs, 154 RBIs, 72 walks, and he had only struck out 62 times. And by this time, he was already, uh, I guess, 33 years old or so. And um, However, the Yankees, they only won 88 games. They were in second place. Um, Connie Max, Philadelphia A's, ends up winning the whole thing. They won the World Series 104 games as well. So August 11th, 1929, Babe Ruth hits his 500th home run, um, which, of course, no other player had ever done. Um, and it was in the second inning against the Cleveland Indians, and it was in the first at-bat. Um, and I guess before that, he had he had hit four home runs in the last five games. And uh, um, I guess the one thing about that, the funny thing about that was, I guess Babe Ruth actually called his shot before the game. And so Babe Ruth told the chief security guard, Whoever the kid was that got the ball, he wanted he wanted the, the security guard to bring them to him so that he could meet them and and uh, uh, get him another baseball um, and get to get the ball back. Um, but however, I guess they said it was a 46 year old that ended up getting the ball. And he, however, he did end up getting to meet Ruth, and he also got an autograph ball uh, for the 500th ball who that he gave to Ruth. And uh, Babe Ruth also gave him a $20 bill, which is kind of interesting. So, of course, later that year, in 1929, I believe uh, his wife, Helen, had passed away in January of 1929. April of 1929, Ruth had married his second wife, Claire. And I guess Claire, um, I guess Claire was a very, she was more, uh, she was more aggressive with Ruth. Like, she, she was, she was just, she was able to control him better, or she was able to, like, I guess, they just had better interest, and uh, I don't know, but I, I guess they said it was a better match anyway. Um, so, however, 1930, um, Babe Ruth, he was 35 years old by this point. So, so of course, like I said, Claire, Claire was able to keep Babe Ruth uh, kind of just keep him doing the right things, and, and he was even, he even started to lose a little bit of weight too because by this point, this is when he really became overweight. Um, he played 145 games that year. He led the league in home runs again, 49, 153 RBIs, 136 walks, and had a 353 batting average, a 493 on base percentage, which led the league. Um, and this was under a new manager as well, because um, one thing I just wanted to mention too, uh, at the end of 1929, uh, manager Miller Huggins was dealing with a bacterial skin infection, and he actually died from it. Um, and so they wanted a new manager. And this was around the time where Babe Ruth really wanted to become a manager eventually because obviously he was 34 in 1929, so he wanted to become – he was already starting to think about his future a little bit more, I would imagine. Um, so uh, he wanted to become the next manager of the Yankees, and he wanted to be a player manager. But I, obviously the Yankees, um, knowing how Ruth was um, – knowing how Ruth had – been um you know in the media and just wanted to go out all the time you know they really didn't feel like he was a manager a kind of management material and i guess it was kind of hard on ruth throughout his career as you can the, as, like if you look at if you watch any uh, any of the movies um like the, the movie the babe and and if you were research a lot of stuff obviously um you probably know you know ruth wanted to manage um however they ended up going with bob shockey as the manager uh, for 1930 the Yankees however they were only in third place that year they only won 86 games as well um, so Bob Shockey ended up getting fired after 1930 however they still didn't hire Ruth they ended up hiring uh, Joe McCarthy of course of course as we know now Joe McCarthy is one of the greatest managers in Yankees history um, and in my opinion I think either him or Casey Stengel 
Um, if I, I mean, I can only go by the numbers, obviously, because that, that was a very long time ago. But Joe, Joe McCarthy and Casey Stengel are probably two of the greatest uh, managers in Yankees history. But, you know, there's there's a lot of great managers. The Yankees have been very lucky to have a lot of great managers in their history. Uh, so 1931, Joe McCarthy's the manager. Babe Ruth, um, he, he had 145 games played. He was 36 years old. 46 home runs, led the league again, 162 RBIs that year, 128 walks, um, again, led the league, 373 batting average, and he had a 495 on-base percentage, and he only struck out 51 times that year. So it's kind of interesting. As he got older, it seemed like the strikeouts were going down a little bit. Um, uh, so, however, though, that year, too, Gehrig actually finished um, second in, in the MVP race, and uh, Babe Ruth finished fifth. Um, Lefty Grove, who was a pitcher for the um, Philadelphia A's, ended up winning the MVP. He won 31 games that year. Um, so the Yankees, they finished in second place that year. They won 94 games. But the Philadelphia A's, again, they go on to uh, make it to the World Series. Um, so then 1932, um, Babe Ruth is 37 years old. He plays 133 games for the Yankees this year. 41 home runs, 137 RBIs. It's really the first year, I think, yeah, the first year in a long time, I think since, like, 1925, um, that rough year that he had, um, which really wasn't a rough year, but for him it was a rough year, But and just personally as well. Um, he had 137 RBIs as well that year. He also had 130 walks and 62 strikeouts and a 341 batting average in 1932 as well. And he was actually sixth in the MVP race that year. He was tied with another Hall of Famer, Joe Cronin, um, who I believe played with the White Sox and the Red Sox and a few other teams. Um, Lou Gehrig was second, and Lefty Gomez was fifth. So there were a couple other Yankees that were actually a little bit higher than Ruth in the MVP race, which is kind of a little bit harder to believe, at least at that time anyway. Jimmy Fox ended up winning the MVP, and he actually had 58 home runs that year. But the Yankees went on to the World Series. Of course, that was the year of Babe Ruth and the called shot. Um, they beat the Cubs. They swept them in four games. Ruth hit two home runs, six RBIs, four walks, and he only struck out three times in that series, and he hit 333. He got a hit in every single game in that World Series. So he also had two home runs in that called shot game as well against Charlie Root. And so then in 1933, Babe Ruth he played 137 games for the Yankees, um, and he hit 301 that year, so his average kind of came down a little bit more. Um, had 104 RBIs still. He had 34 home runs, 114 walks, and uh, that led the league as well. Had a 442 on base percentage. Uh, but of course, with the walks too, um, uh, I'm sure being batting in front of uh, Lou Gehrig still probably really helped. Um, but, you know, Ruth always had a very good eye. Um, and even at 38 years old, I mean, just, just looking at his numbers, you know, he was still uh, still a very good player. Just wasn't quite as good maybe as, as he used to be, obviously, because, you know, he was 38. Um, so I guess this was when the first year of the All-Star game, and Connie Mack, of course, the Philadelphia A's had won the World Series previously, so he, Connie Mack got to manage the All-Star team, and he ended up picking Babe Ruth to play right field in the uh, first-ever All-Star game. Um, at Comiskey Park in Chicago, July 6th of 1933. Um, and Babe Ruth, in, in his first All-Star game, he hit the first All-Star game home run. It was a two-run home run off of Bill Hallahan in the third inning, and the American League ended up winning that that uh, first All-Star game, 4-2. to two. Um, And I, also the final game of 1933, 
Ruth was asked to pitch. Was, I guess they said it was a publicity um, stunt, but he was asked to pitch, and it was against the Red Sox, and he actually pitched a complete game against them. I guess he really didn't pitch all that well. However, I'm sure a part of that was because they also, obviously Ruth was getting older, and they kind of saw the, maybe they thought he was going to retire or um, so. I mean, it could have been a publicity stunt too, but uh, I mean, um, I'm sure they saw that he was getting older too. But anyways, 1934, Babe Ruth played 137 games. He had just uh, 22 home runs that year, 84 RBIs, 104 walks, 63 strikeouts, um, 288 batting average, 448 on base percentage, which is, you know, that's typically, that's very, that's good. I mean, especially for a 39-year-old. However, those are definitely not Babe Ruth's like numbers. However, he still made the All-Star game. Um, it was only the second All-Star game in the history of the All-Star game. Also, that was the year that Carl Hubble in the All-Star game for the National League, he pitched for the New York Giants. I believe he was a right-handed pitcher, but I'm not positive. And he struck out uh, both, he struck out Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth, and I think Jimmy Fox was the third guy as well. So anyways, as far as that season goes, the Tigers ended up winning um, winning the American League pennant. Uh, the Yankees finished in second place that year, 94-60. and 60. Um, and uh, the, uh, Babe Ruth at the time, he this was when he really could not field and run, and he was just you know he he was overweight, um, and, and the game was just getting a lot harder for him. He, again, like I said, he was he was he was 39 years old, and probably all those years of just not taking care of himself really kind of it really kind of got to him. But he was still putting up good numbers, just not good numbers for Babe Ruth, um, not what not what you would think. So anyways, another note on the All Star game too. Uh, Carl Hubble, he struck out Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, and Jimmy Fox, but then he also struck out two other guys, Al Simmons and Joe Cronin as well. So he actually struck out five batters in a row. Um, and actually, a few days after the All-Star game, July 13, 1934, Babe Ruth hit his 700th career home run, and um, his last home run as a Yankee was September 29, 1934. It was a three-run home run in the seventh inning off of uh, Sid Cohen against the Washington Senators. Um, and, uh, you know, so, of course, that was the last last time Babe Ruth ever hit a home run for the New York Yankees. So, of course, he ends up moving on from the Yankees and going to the Boston Braves to hopefully be a manager. But he has to start off as an assistant coach because, again, nobody really wants him to be their uh, manager because they, you know, Babe Ruth, um, he didn't take care of himself when he started his career and really when he, especially when he got to the Yankees, and of course, maybe I'm sure a lot of that might have been because of the way, you know, he when he was brought up, you know, he went to military school and he had there was a lot of discipline. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you you kind of rebel when you leave. That I would I would imagine. However, so in 1935, he became a player coach uh, for the Boston Braves. The Boston Braves were not a very good team at all. They were actually 38 and 115 that year. Babe Ruth, I think he only played two months. Or it was only a player coach for two months because he started to figure out, you know, that the Boston Braves, they really weren't interested in Ruth as a manager ever. And they just kind of wanted to keep him around because, you know, he created a lot of buzz for the team and and that's why they wanted him. Um, however, he did play 28 games, 72 at-bats. He had six home runs. He even did a 714th home run, um, which was a record until, of course, Hank Aaron broke it. Uh, and um, he had 12 RBIs that year, about at 100, 181. Um, so he really was not the same guy at all. Um, and, uh, uh, of course, like I said, he couldn't run as well, and he couldn't run very well. So, of course, like I said, he couldn't run very well, and he really couldn't field. 
Um, so they always needed to have like a, a basically a pitch runner for him. Um, but anyways, uh, so like I said, um, you know, Babe Ruth, in my opinion, he's the best best player all time in Major League history. I mean, he he actually leads. He still lead. He's still the career leader in slugging percentage on base plus slugging and uh, on base plus slugging adjusted as well. He has a 690 career slugging percentage, which is highest the highest ever. Um, a 1,164 OPS and a 206 OPS plus or on base plus slugging adjusted. Um, so I mean, I mean, as far as getting on base and hitting for power, you know, there was really nobody better than Babe Ruth. Uh, he played 22 seasons. May 25th, 1935, he played his last game uh, for the Boston Braves. It was 4-4. Four four. He had three home runs, two home runs off of Guy Bush, who was a big part of the um, of the of the game when he called a shot against the Chicago Cubs in the World Series, and he had six RBIs in that game as well. And uh, that was his last hit was a home run as well off of Guy Bush. So Babe Ruth, I mean, he had a great career. I mean, it's definitely sad to see how his career ended as far as, you know, him not being able to get a chance to manage. But at the same time, he really didn't um, he really didn't help himself by the way he kind of spent his time and the, the way he didn't take care of himself. Um, so, I mean, I guess if he had taken care of himself, I would think he would have been a manager eventually. But, I mean, I guess that's just the way it went. Um, so, of course, Babe Ruth, um, he ends up uh, end, ends up getting uh, a, a monument in center field. They had Babe Ruth Day, and I believe it was like the day after or two days after that, Babe Ruth ends up passing away. Um, he had, I believe it was lung cancer um, in 1948. Um, I believe he was just like 50, 51 years old, something like that. So, you know, George Herman Ruth Jr., uh, he was – in my opinion, the greatest player who ever lived. Um, and really, if you think about it, he's really the first superstar that baseball ever had. So I just want to thank everybody for listening. But first, I just want to mention that the Historic Pinstripes is a proud part of the 4041 Media family with other podcasts such as Honest Fitness Talk with your trainer Nick, Movie Theater Time Machine, a bunch of other podcast streamers and YouTubers. Um, you can feel free to go to www.4041media.com for more information on that. And um, again, I just want to thank you all for listening. So have a great day, everybody. And as always, go Yankees!